Let us pray. Our most gracious and holy Father, we thank you that we can be here this day, that we can hear of the baptism of your Son, our Savior, that we can witness the baptism of one of our own this day. We thank you that through Jesus we have the Holy Spirit with us, that he comes to be with us, that he comes to dwell in us. So ever draw near by this very Spirit that has been given us by Jesus and by you, that we would evermore be changed, that we would evermore walk in the light as you are in the light, that we would evermore live in that life that Jesus has given to us. All of this we ask through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We are all so often very anxious about things unknown. That sense of anxiousness, I think, has been even more explicit in these last two years. We're continually bombarded with bad news, bombarded with warnings, bombarded with evil tidings to come, bombarded with just the disaster that is waiting for us in every area of life, not just with dealing with the novel coronavirus that sprang up on the world just a couple of years ago, but just everything, whether it's political, whether it's personal, whether it's employment or economic, everything is on the verge of disaster, according to the news. And so we are constantly in this state of fear, in this state of anxiety, in this state of just weight pressing down on us. But even in the church itself, we come to feel the weight being placed on us. We feel the weight to do better, to do more, to do greater things, to constantly be standing up higher and higher, being up on that mountaintop as much as we can, experiencing the spiritual life in every possible way, in every avenue of life, because that's the spiritual thing to do, to constantly have that mountaintop high in our lives. And then when it doesn't happen, when we do something we know we're supposed to do and it doesn't happen, we feel the weight of, what did I do wrong? Am I not doing what God has called me to do? And so that sense of anxiousness builds and builds on us as we fear that we have turned away from the Lord in some way, as we fear that we are not actually in the will of God, as we fear that His grace has been withdrawn from us because we don't fill Him with our feelings anymore. We don't sense Him with our thoughts anymore. Anxiety springs up on us. And we're burdened. We're worn down. We're crushed under the weight of this reality. Sometimes that's just how it is. And the reality is that that anxiety isn't what God intends for us. He intends to change us from that. He intends to take away our fear, to take away those things that are a stumbling block to knowing Him. But it's not through a list of how-tos. It's not through a list of do these five things for a better spiritual life now. Because ultimately when we pursue those kinds of things with that intention of simply getting a better spiritual life, we find out there's nothing at the end of that journey. And so often, like we've all heard, the more you chase after joy and happiness, the less you get of it. The more you make that the goal, the more you have to chase. And the more it hides, the more it stays away from you. But when you shift perspective and just simply do that which you know is right and good and salutary to do, you suddenly discover that joy and happiness start springing up. 
You suddenly discover that there's spiritual growth as you just simply look at Jesus, as you simply look at His Word, as you simply live in the life that He has created for you. And that anxiety begins to melt away as we are able to let go of all the extras that we place on ourselves to try to please God and realize that just as He looked at Jesus and said, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. That we who are baptized have been baptized into that very baptism of Jesus. And thus, as Jesus, as God the Father has said that to Jesus, God the Father says that to us in light of Jesus. That we too are beloved children of God with whom he is well pleased. Because we have been baptized. Because we have been united to Christ. Because he is working and drawing us by his spirit. And working in us and changing us. And therefore, God is with us. Because Jesus is for us. Because Jesus has been baptized, we too are baptized. Because the Spirit has come upon Jesus in His baptism, we too receive the Spirit. He comes to dwell with us. And we hear about all of this in today's passage and in the Gospel of Luke. And so we'll dive into this a little bit and then we'll talk about the consequences of these events of Jesus' life and what they mean for us today. The baptism of our Lord is the revealing of Jesus to the crowds. It is the revealing of Jesus to John. The fullness of who Jesus is is made known to John the Baptist in this moment. And building up to that moment, John was already out baptizing. He went forward with a baptism for repentance and to the remission of sins. He went out baptizing and no one questioned it. No one thought, well, what an odd thing to go out and do. A Jewish man going out to the Jordan River and pouring water on people's heads, telling them to repent. What is this? No one, no one was surprised. Because the idea of cleansing water is part and parcel of the law. Water is used in all kinds of ways to cleanse people. And so why not? Why would it not be strange? It would not be strange for a man to go out and take this water and say to all, you must be baptized with this water in order to put forward your repentance and to receive forgiveness and to receive a changed life. And so he called the crowds to him and the people responded. The people were excited to come out to him to confess their sins and to receive remission of their sins, to receive forgiveness through this water. It's like the water was washing their sins off of them and putting it downstream into the river, away from them, that they could rise up in a new kind of life and of course, in light of that new life, they would have to ask him, what do we do now? And he gave them plenty of answers there at the beginning of John 3. There in the verses right before where we started in today. Because he was such a great prophet, the people asked him, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who is to come? Are you the one that we have been waiting for? Because they had high expectations. Because John was leading a revival. He was leading a change of people's hearts. That was one of the promises of what the Messiah would do, that the hearts of the people would be changed by his work, by his ministry. But John says that I'm not him. I'm only baptizing you with water. When the Messiah comes, he who is mightier than I, the one whose strap I cannot, whose strap of the sandal I cannot untie because I am unworthy, he will baptize you with the spirit and fire. This Messiah is so much greater than me that I am but the lowliest of servants before him. You think me high and lifted up because I call you to repentance, John says. 
But the one that I am preparing you for is even higher. I am but the lowliest servant. I am but the lowliest slave who's not even worthy to untie his sandals for him. That is how great he is in comparison to what I am. With water I merely baptize you, but he will bring the Holy Spirit and fire upon you. He will change you through his baptism. He will make you new. He will make you as he is. A new kind of person, a new kind of life he will bring to you. He'll bring judgment against those who reject him. A new life to those who receive him. Hence John's words of the winnowing fork. He has a winnowing fork ready to clear out the chaff from the wheat so that the chaff can be dealt with and gotten rid of and put away from the wheat. And with many other exhortations, he preached good news to them. All of John's preaching is summed up by Luke right there as good news for the people. Because he is confronting them with their sins, he's telling them what is wrong with them. And that there is forgiveness. Despite all that is broken in them, despite all that is messed up, despite all the bentness within, it is good news to be confronted with sin because the good news of, this, of you being a sinner is that there is forgiveness from the Father. There is forgiveness from God Himself because He has come to fulfill all righteousness through His Son. The Father has come to His people through His Son to bring forgiveness, to remove their sins from them, to cast them as far as the east is from the west, to lift from them that anxiety of not being good enough, of not being pleasing enough, of not doing enough things in enough ways to get to Him. He removes all of that by sending His Son. And it is good news to be confronted with that reality that we can't do enough. That we can't get there on our own. That is a good and glorious message because out of that flows the good news of Jesus, the good news of the Messiah, the good news of it all being washed away. And here in verse 22, 21 and 22 of Luke 3, we hear that after all the people were baptized, Jesus came down to be baptized as well. And that as he was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my well-beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Jesus comes to be baptized, not because he needs repentance, but in order that he might identify with the people he is going to save. With the people that he is giving forgiveness to. That he comes to be baptized in order to be in their place. To stand up as the true Israel, as the true man of God, as the last and best Adam. He is coming to be baptized by John, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. The greatest of those prophets who walked in that Old Testament kind of way. Jesus is baptized by him in order to identify with this broken people. Not because he needs it, but simply to be one with us. In order that as our representative, he might then walk forward as our substitute. As one pastor I once heard talking about this said, it's like Jesus goes into the River Jordan where all the stinking sin is resting and settled into it from all the other people who've come and been baptized. And he soaks it all up onto himself. As the water is poured on him, he 
receives those sins of the people to bear them and to carry them forward toward the cross. And so in his baptism, he identifies with us and he takes upon himself our burdens. He takes upon himself our sins to carry them forward through his life toward the cross. And in the midst of that happening, as he prays, the spirit descends upon him in bodily form like a dove. The spirit himself does not become a dove. He doesn't become incarnate in flesh and blood of a dove. But simply in a bodily form, he looks like a dove. He is like a dove coming down. That others might see what is happening, that they would see a dove flowing and coming down out of the highest of heavens to alight upon Jesus and rest upon him. That dove that brings peace, that dove that represents peace. Doing his work upon Jesus, confirming his Messiahship, confirming his mission that he is being called toward. That Jesus would be the one upon whom the Holy Spirit now comes to his people through. He receives the Spirit on our behalf that we might have the Spirit ourselves, that the Spirit might come to dwell in us. In those words, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Emerging together of so many texts in the Old Testament. Psalm 2, Isaiah 42, Genesis 22, to name a few. The binding of Isaac. Take your beloved son and sacrifice him, God said to Abraham. Psalm 2, you are my son today, the father says to the anointed king. And even in our passage today, from Isaiah 42, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I will uphold my servant. I put my spirit upon him that Psalm 42 is, or Isaiah 42 is fulfilled in Jesus' baptism. With you I am well pleased. You are my servant that I have chosen and that I delight in, that I adore, that I am sending forth to do my work for you are the one who will accomplish my work. And even fulfilling Isaiah 61 as Jesus goes to Nazareth and is rejected in Luke 4. He reads from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The Spirit has come down on Jesus to send him forward to do all that he is called to do as a Messiah, to empower him, to guide him, to send him forth because that is what the Messiah is supposed to do. He is to receive the Spirit on behalf of the people as their representative and go forward with that good news, proclaiming freedom, proclaiming liberty, proclaiming recovery of sight and liberty to the oppressed, to bring about the year of the Lord's favor is what the Messiah goes forward to do. And that is what Jesus does as the beloved Son. As the one true and eternal Son of God, He comes down taking on flesh for us, and he is well-pleasing to the Father. So much so that he can go forward with the Spirit on our behalf to move toward the cross, to go to the cross on our behalf. That his death might be our death. That his resurrection might become our resurrection. He goes on our behalf forward in his ministry because he is baptized on our behalf. And what does this have to do with our baptism to stay? How does... Jesus' baptism connect to our baptisms? How does it connect to the baptism of Ephraim this day? One way that it connects is that it is not mere water that we are using. 
When we pour water upon someone in baptism, it is water that has been blessed. It is water that is tied to the word. It is water with the word, as Martin Luther put it. We pray over this water that it would be baptismal water, that the Lord would be, would be at work through it because he has commanded us to do this. He has sent us forward to baptize all nations in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And thus we pray for him to be acted to fulfill his calling, to fulfill the calling he has placed on us and to fulfill his promises attached to this water. That we are promised forgiveness, that we are promised life and salvation, that we are promised union with Christ through baptism. And thus we pray for the word to be active through this water because God has given us this water to become a vehicle and instrument so that his word would be objectively applied to the baptized. That the baptized would be united in covenant before the Father to the Son. And thus this water is water with the word. And if water with the word, then water with the spirit. Because where the word is, the spirit is. And so as we pray and use the words of God over this water and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, using God's word, the spirit will be active and working through this water with the word, to call Ephraim into new life, to call him forward, to apply to him all that the Son has done for him. And likewise, alongside the fact that it's not mere water that we use today, that it is not a baptism in isolation, it is not a baptism all by itself, but it is a baptism in connection with Jesus' baptism. A former pastor once said that every celebration of the Lord's Supper is connected to Jesus' celebration, that it is just an extension of that first celebration of the Lord's Supper. I appreciate that beautiful picture of the interconnectivity of the things that we do in the sacraments, and I think that it comes down to be the same with baptism, that every person that is baptized is not baptized on his own. But that ultimately, as Jesus has been baptized, we are connected to his baptism because in baptism we are promised to be united to him. We are promised to be bound up to Jesus through baptism, as Paul says in Romans 6. Do you not know that you were baptized into the death of Christ? And if baptized into his death, baptized into his life, into his resurrection, you're buried with him in baptism and raised to new life in Christ. That our baptisms are connected and united to Jesus' baptism. And as the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus, so too the Holy Spirit comes towards us, comes to be with us. And he plants that work of salvation in the child. He plants his work of salvation in the adult. He puts the word in him and draws us to Jesus through our baptisms. This baptismal water is full of the Spirit in a sense, and as we baptize, we are connected with Jesus' own baptism. And so the Holy Spirit comes to be with the baptized. But alongside that, we enter into a covenant, not a new covenant, not one that we are making with God, but we enter into the new covenant that Jesus has made with God and that the Father has made with Jesus. We receive the covenant that already exists through baptism. As Jesus was baptized, in a sense, he was making that covenant before the Father. He was entering into the beginning of the accomplishments of the new covenant in which there would be forgiveness for all who come to him. Jesus, as the true Messiah, represents all of Israel, but 
As we later see, just after this baptism in Luke, Jesus is also the son of God, the son of Adam. He is the Messiah for all people, for his genealogy is traced back, not just through Israel, but all the way to Abraham, and from Abraham to Noah, and from Noah to Adam, the progenitors of the entire human race. And thus Adam is connected, thus Jesus is connected to us all, the new and better Adam, the one who fulfills God's will and enters into a perfect and true covenant with the Father. This Messiah stands for all of humanity, and as the one before the Father, he makes a covenant with the Father. He will fulfill all of God's demands for us. He will receive from God all of the promises of the Old Testament upon himself to fulfill them, to fulfill all law for us. And he is baptized to seal that, to move forward to his death where it will be perfectly and completely consummated, that redemption will be purchased through the death of Christ. But his baptism begins that forward momentum, that forward movement as he receives the Spirit, the promise given to the Messiah in the covenant. We too are united to Christ and united into this covenant. We don't make a covenant with the Father. We simply enter into a covenant that is with the Father through the Son. The Son has made the covenant. The Father has made the covenant with one another. And the Son will redeem those who are united to the Son. We are united through baptism and called into redemption and new life because Jesus is there. And if Jesus is there in baptism for us to be united to, there is redemption and new life coming to us. We come to Jesus through baptism. And we enter into that covenant that brings about our very redemption. And lastly, we are given God's favor through baptism. His grace comes to rest upon us. His kindness and mercy are placed upon us as he claims us as his own. In baptism, we are brought to the Father. And the Father places his name upon us. The Father claims us as his own. The Father lays hold of us and makes us his own. We are no longer our own people, but we are the people of God. Through baptism, we are given the Father's name, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The name of God is placed on us, and he claims us. He is fulfilling all of his promises by giving us his favor. He's showing himself as the righteous and honorable God that he is, for he made promises to redeem the world. And through Jesus, he accomplishes that redemption. And now, through baptism, he applies that accomplished work to his people. He unites us to the Son in order that we would receive all that the Son has, because the Son has already taken all that we had from us. And if we receive all that the Son has, we receive those words, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. He shows his mercy by taking our shame off of us and placing it on Jesus that it might be done away with. That as Jesus lives the honorable and perfectly righteous life that we cannot do, the Son then takes all of our shame upon himself, all of our wrongdoing, all of our misdeeds onto himself in order to redeem us. And then all that is already the Son's by rights, by his actions, by his life, is poured upon us through baptism, through the Spirit coming to be with us. Because Jesus received the Spirit for us, he does his work for us, he calls us forth for himself to be one with him. And so despite our anxiety about things unknown, despite the uncertainties of this world before us, 
There is a certainty in baptism of God coming to work in you. That it becomes a foundation for us to know that God is at work in us. It's an objective point in our lives to look to and to point to and to know that God is working for us. He has called us to himself. He has given us his spirit because he gave it to Jesus. He's united us to Jesus. And through Jesus, we receive all the promises of salvation, of life, and of forgiveness. Now, does this mean that we do nothing after baptism, that we just sit around and ignore God from the rest of our lives? No, because we have been redeemed. We have been regenerated. We have been given new life, and we are called to then walk in that new life that it might flourish and grow. And part of our baptismal liturgy is calling on the people of God here in this congregation to lift up this child, to lift up the baptized, to call them forward and to help teach and train them to know and understand the word. That as the seed is planted in them through baptism and so with the word they are watered, that they might grow in the spirit, that they might grow in understanding, that they would then live and lay hold of that which has been given to them. That we are called to walk in the life given freely through baptism. And if we don't walk in that life, then we lose track of it. We come to not receive the consummation of promises at the end. But it is not God's fault that his mercy is thrown away. It is our own misdeeds, our own wrongdoings, our own misbehaviors. But there is no reason for us to walk that path of misbehavior and misdeed, for the Spirit is with us and filling us and calling us to himself. We can receive all of the Spirit's work over and over and over, and each day we can rise up in new life because baptism has poured it upon us. We can walk in newness of life because the promises are given to us. They are really ours. I don't have to remember when I had faith. I just have to know that I've been baptized and God has promised to work in me, and so I'm going to walk forward and trust that He is working in me. I'm going to know His Word. I'm going to walk forward in obedience and understanding, and grow in the Spirit as the Spirit works and changes and renews my heart and my mind. And so we can find freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety, freedom from uncertainty because we know we have a foundation on which we stand. Jesus himself, who has been baptized on our behalf, that when we are baptized, we might know that we are united to him to receive all that he has won on our behalf. So may we rejoice that God is at work in us through our baptisms. May we rejoice that he is calling us to himself through baptism. May we, we rejoice as we watch him do this work in Ephraim's life today. To claim him as his own. To call him forth into new life and to pour his spirit upon him. To change him and to renew him. And to guide him ever more nearer to himself. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.